Um, so, this sermon isn't just like, I want you to understand this before I get into this sermon. It's not just, a f- like, I didn't just write this, I lived this sermon. Like, this sermon is essentially two years of my life, the past two years of my life. And the first year is the first half of the sermon. Um, maybe when I was 16, 17, I kind of wrote the first half of the sermon. And I didn't finish the sermon until probably like six months ago. Um, so it's kind of been in like the past two, three years, this sermon is really, I can't really put it into words, but it's been my, my walk with God really, uh, and how I found God, and now how I, because the first half of the sermon left me depressed, if I'm being totally honest, because I didn't have the answer, I had a half, half a sermon, I had the problem, but I didn't have the answer, uh, and when I found the second half of the sermon, that's when I really, that's when it really, it changed my life, um, and I called this Chasing Smoke, a Philosophy for Life. Because philosophy is basically, uh, it's essentially what you build your life upon. And I think that this message is essentially an important thing that we all build our lives on. So first off, my parents are away. So before I pull out this prop, I need to bring a big disclaimer. So I'm not going to vape this. It's not mine. I bought it literally last night for the, ser- for the sermon. And it will be binned straight away after. I have not vaped it. I don't condone vaping, mainly because, to be honest, I think vapes are worse than cigarettes, if I'm being honest. I mean, it's like vegetable oil heated by, like, lithium batteries. I I think cigarettes are safer than these, so I wouldn't recommend these. Um, And I'm not going to be vaping it, but I needed smoke, and I couldn't get the smoke machine. So, basically, how a vape works, you inhale it with this mouthpiece here. I'm not going to do that, but you can also create smoke with it, I realized, because I was going to YouTube trying to find ways to safely create smoke, and I couldn't put a fire out here. Uh, so I realized you can blow through the bottom of it. Smoke, and I am not going to get cancer for that. So there you go. That is how I'm going to create smoke today for the sermon analogy. So before my parents get back and say, how was church? Then you say that Adam was vaping on stage. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't. Um, so I'd say that most of my life is spent chasing smoke, right? Look at this. I mean, we can all see the smoke then. It's almost as if we can grab it, but it just disappears. And literally, I'd say... All my life has been spent just chasing smoke, chasing things that I can see with my eyes, and then I think maybe if I grab them, it might give me joy or it might give me peace or satisfaction, but the moment I grab them, it just disappears, and I'm left with nothing. And I remember in lockdown, when I was discovering the first half of this sermon, I was depressed, and I felt empty. The best way I can explain the way I felt was like an asteroid floating through space with nowhere to go. I felt like that was what my life was. I was just here on this earth, and there was no purpose or meaning to my life. Um, And I didn't have any emotions other than just emptiness. I felt empty. And 
a few of the things that I have chased smoke in life. One of them, when I was nine years old, just innocent, I was outside with my friends and we were playing football because I used to just play out with people in the street. And um, this older guy came to me uh, and he said, hey, come with me. I want to show you something. I want to show you a funny video is what he said. So I just thought, oh, it's, maybe it's SpongeBob or something. I was nine. And uh, he took me down the side of his house and he got his phone out. Uh, and he got this funny video out and it was porn. And I was nine. And it robbed my childhood and stole me of all my innocence. And at nine years old, I was basically opened to this world of things I just didn't even know like, existed. I still thought how people made a baby was mum and dad kissed. You know, like that, that was my age. And I just saw this thing on this guy's phone. And man, it robbed my innocence in my childhood. And I remember basically I, I just went home. And I sat on the steps of the landing, and I was just had my head in my hands and tears in my eyes because I didn't even know the, the shame and the guilt of what I had seen, and like what I had just been open to. Just my childhood went in that moment, and from the age of nine to late seventeen, so about eight years, I was heavily addicted to porn, and it was smoke that I was chasing. Because I felt lonely, I felt empty when I was younger, and I actually remember all my friends telling me to do it. I was like, when I joined high school, so they were encouraging it as well, and even my teachers were saying it was healthy. I remember when I was in college, actually, we had someone come in to tell us that uh, like, watching porn is healthy and that we should do it because it's natural. I don't think it is. I mean, I, I just can't see how it is, So, but... I spent most of my childhood trying to chase that. It was smoke to me, right? It was like this. You ready? I saw the smoke. I saw the porn, and I thought, that's going to satisfy me. And every time it was the same thing. As I went to grab on so I could get satisfaction, so I could get that five-second dopamine hit, every time it was the same thing, it left me feeling more empty. It left me feeling more lonely than I did in the first place. And as I opened my hand, I had nothing. Nothing in my soul, still empty. It was just smoke. And it was the same repeated process. It was like walking around in circles every time. I saw the smoke, I went to grab it, it disappeared, and I was empty. I remember when I was working in, in lockdown, I had a job at Royal Mail, and I was doing like night shifts, and I was just trying to make a bit of money because it was lockdown. And I was getting quite a lot because it was lockdown and because it was night shifts. And I remember this one time, I thought maybe, you know, if I buy things, it might comfort me. So I remember I spent like nearly £3,000 in an hour because I thought that that might make me feel great. It might comfort me. So I first bought a brand new laptop. I didn't need to buy the newest version or all the highest specs. I didn't need that. But just because it was more expensive, it maybe made me think like, oh, okay, this might make me feel something. And then I remember I needed a chair for my desk. So instead of just buying a normal chair for 50 pound, I spent 600 pound on a chair with all these gimmicks or it heats, it heats up and it massages you. All these things that I didn't even need just because maybe if I buy this expensive chair, maybe that will satisfy me. I remember spending like a thousand pound on just designer clothes that were just the same as any other clo like piece of clothing. They just had a different badge. 
And I spent, in like an hour, I spent probably about 2,500, 2,800 pound. And I remember as uh, I entered my car details in, this crescendo of emotions of like, I'm gonna get that satisfaction. The moment I press buy now and all those items are mine, I'll get that satisfaction. I'll get that, that thing, just, it just will comfort me and it will make me feel great again. And it was just like smoke. Because I saw the buy now button, I pressed it, and then all the emotions went. And I still felt empty. And how many of us are just chasing smoke in life? I mean, we eat all we can, but we're never really satisfied, are we? We numb our minds trying to entertain ourselves with social media. I mean, people scroll through the TikTok for you page, and it's like one more video, one more video, one more video, and they're numbing their mind every single time just to pointless things that they're watching on social media, constantly trying to find the next dopamine hit. Studies have shown that now, because of things like TikTok, the human mind only has a, or most human minds nowadays, their attention span is three seconds. Our minds are being numbed like we're goldfish. So we can't keep our attention anymore because it's constantly the next thing we can chase. We chase smoke, we grab it, there's nothing there. So three seconds later, we're trying to find something else. We're trying to find a new video on Netflix. How many times have, have we all lost sleep because of that next episode button? Next, next episode up in three, two, one. And that, that feeling of, well, the last video, the last episode, we always left wanting more. Because the last one didn't satisfy us, so we've got to go to the next one. And we lose sleep because of it. And we sleep, but we're never truly resting. We wake up tired, so then we quickly run to a coffee, and then that keeps us up for three hours. And then in the end, when we have a caffeine crash, we feel more tired than we did in the first place. How many of us are just like consumers, man? We consume so much. We just buy all these things that we don't even need. And we just consume and consume, constantly going to shops, buying things, just so we can really make ourselves feel good. But it never really does. So we always need to buy more and more and more. And the, when I look at the world today, I just see consumerism everywhere. We work jobs we hate to buy things that we don't need so we can impress people we don't like. It's just consumerism after consumerism after consumerism. And it's constantly, what it really is, it's just chasing smoke. If I buy this, then maybe that will satisfy me. You buy it, and then you open your hand, and the smoke's gone. So you have to buy something else. And you're just constantly going around in circles, chasing smoke. Trying to fill that void that we all feel in our hearts and, and in our souls, that emptiness that we all feel. I think, if I'm honest, we've all felt it. There are times where we don't feel it, you know, we're not all just these empty, depressed people, but there are times where we just feel empty. And what's the first thing we go to? Consumerism. We go to things to, we try and use porn, or we try and use new, uh, new technology, new cars. We try and, you know, get the newest designer clothes. We try and get all the newest things and the best things to comfort us, to make us not feel empty, but it only... It never actually satisfies us. And this fir the first half of this sermon, it got me depressed. Because I, I was just looking at my life and I'm like, what is the, what, there's no meaning to my life. I'm just chasing smoke. And 
if I'm honest, I don't even look at the world the same anymore after really writing this sermon because the more I looked at to see what was actually meaningful in life, and as I was studying the book of Ecclesiastes and trying to see what was meaningful, I realized there is no meaning in life. And that's such a depressing thing. But, like, really think about it. All the things we buy, they're just carbon copies of other things. You go to a shop, you go to Tesco, and there's a whole crisp aisle. What's a crisp? It's just potatoes. How is there a whole aisle for different potatoes? It's a different shape, it's a different texture, it's a different flavor, but it's just potatoes with different packaging, and the packaging makes us feel like it's a new thing. Oh, look, there's a new brand of crisps. Maybe if I get that one, because this one ain't satisfying me, maybe if I get that one. Or, or Ben and Jerry's brought out a new ice cream. We, we chased things, right? Like, think about junk food. I'm one for this, right? If I'm about to go and get a Ben and Jerry's from the shop, I'm so excited to eat that. But after I eat it, I feel sick. Like, literally. But it's just a never-ending thing of chasing smoke bit after bit, and we're just constantly, we're going through life, and we're, we're constantly seeing the smoke, and, and we go to grab it, and then it just disappears, and there's nothing there. And my favorite book in the Bible is Ecclesiastes, mainly because it just puts it blunt. But secondly, I think it's the greatest works ever written. Like, when you think of all the great philosophers, they don't come close to the wisdom in Ecclesiastes, I think. And I feel like it's more applicable to today's society than it was when it was written. In Ecclesiastes days, consumerism wasn't as bad and, you know, people had to hunt for their food. Nowadays, people complain if their Uber Eats is late, right? But I feel like the wisdom in Ecclesiastes of chasing smoke applies more perfectly to today. So if, I want to read a verse from Ecclesiastes. It's Ecclesiastes 1.14, and it says, I have seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Now, the problem here is it says wind, but when you study the Hebrew of Ecclesiastes, it doesn't use the word wind. It uses a word called hebel, chasing hebel. And what hebel is, it's vapor. And there's a really important reason you need to understand that he's not saying chasing wind, he's saying chasing smoke or chasing vapor, because he's saying you're chasing what you see, not what you can't see. When we think about someone chasing wind, we think about someone chasing something they can't even see. But when we picture someone chasing smoke, we picture them chasing something they can see, but what they can see is disappearing. And that's the reason for it. And he says, I have seen all things, seen. This is because he's older in his life, and he's looking back on life. He's saying, I've seen all things, and he's looking back on his life, and he's realizing now that all things are meaningless. I heard a study that 40% of people aged 39 to 50 have a midlife crisis. Why is that? Why is nearly half of the population, when they reach a certain age, having a midlife crisis? I think it's because we're chasing smoke. We're chasing meaningless vanity that we think will satisfy us, and then we do it all our lives, walking around in circles, constantly trying to chase the next thing, constantly chasing smoke. And when we get to like 50, or when we get between 39 and 50, and we look back and we're nearly or are halfway through our lives, we think, what, what has all of this done for me? What has all this meaninglessness done for me? And you see, what the the person who wrote Ecclesiastes is trying to say is, you're chasing what you can see, because we see the new shiny car, 
we see the big house, we see the figure in our bank accounts, we see the person online with social media stuff, we see everything and what we're doing is we're chasing what we can see. But that's the problem. Because there's a problem with the things we can see, the problem is that they will disappear. They will go. The world will have an end. As Christians, we believe that Christ will return and the world will have an end. That means that everything we see in this world is disappearing. This light, it's going to disappear one day. The new cars, the new technology, the designer clothes, it will all disappear one day. So why are we chasing things and spending so much time chasing things that will one day disappear? When I think about what we can chase that has more meaning, I think about what will one day appear. And what will one day appear is Christ. So if everything in this world is disappearing, and when they disappear, Christ will appear, why are we chasing what will one day disappear when we can chase what one day will appear? And that's how you find meaning in life, I feel. If we want to look at mankind and we want to get back to our purpose in life, we've really got to go back to the beginning of time to realize what our purpose in life is when God originally created us before the fall of man. It says that God created us in the image of God. Jacques did a preacher of the week that I loved about the Imago Dei. Imago Dei means image of God. That was our original purpose, to be the image of God, to exuberate God's glory. That was to walk with God in the garden, to have a relationship with God and be in his image. That was our original purpose, and then the fall came, and we lost that part of us. It's funny, because when we sin, or we fall short, what do we say? I'm only human. There's even that song, I'm only human after all. That's actually wrong, right? Because if humans were created by God and created in his image, then humans are meant to be perfect and not have sin. So when we sin, it's not because we're human, it's because our humanity has been distorted by sin. Jesus showed us how to be human. That's what he did. Jesus was the image of God. And we as humans were created to be the image of God. So we are actually, as humans, meant to be perfect. And when we fell, and fell short and the fall happened, we lost that part of us because sin entered us. And we lost that humanity that we all have. Just like when I was that nine-year-old who lost his innocence, we lost that thing that we all should have as humans, which is to be in the image of God. And we lost our image, we lost our meaning, we lost all of our purpose, and we were no longer just the image, we were no longer the image of God, but we had distorted ourselves, and we had had this sinful nature that had became inside of us, and we lost our humanity. So if our very meaning and existence has been lost through sin, then we need to find purpose by restoring ourselves back to, as Jock said, the Imago Dei, the image of God, restoring, this preaches about restoring us back to God's original image, his original purpose for us. And that is how I find that we find purpose in life. I want to read from Philippians. Paul says this, Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 to 11, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. 
so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. So if, he says, I want you to understand what really matters. What doesn't matter? Smoke. Consumerism. Trying to get the newest thing. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a nice car. I, you know, I want to have a nice car one day. I want to wear nice clothes. I'm not saying that stuff. But if that is your true meaning in life, if you think that chasing that and getting that stuff is going to give you a purpose and a meaning in life and it's going to satisfy you, then I'm going to say it bluntly, you're headed for a midlife crisis. Because when you get to a certain age and you look back, you're, it's going to dawn upon you that none of these things ever satisfied you and you've just been all along chasing wind. So Paul says, I want you to understand what really matters and what really matters is living pure and blameless lives before God, producing the righteous character of Jesus Christ. This will bring glory to God. That was our original purpose, to be in the image of God. That is Jesus Christ. God's will and image revealed through Christ and we as humans who were made in the image of God we are to walk like Christ walked and that brings glory to God Amen. things only bring glory to God when they were his purpose that's what bringing glory to God is when his will and his purpose is done so if it brings glory to God it shows that that was our original purpose as humans to be in the image of God So for you, what, you may be wondering, what should I chase then? Or maybe you're wondering, what have I been chasing? And you're trying to think about your life, whether that be short or long. And you're looking back and trying to think, what have I been chasing in life? And I want you to know now, if you're chasing smoke, it's only going to spiral lower and lower and lower. Because every time... You just feel more and more and more empty. You don't ever feel satisfaction with it. I got, I remember when I was 17 in lockdown and I was going through this and I was literally in a pit of depression because maybe COVID heightened that emotion, but I was just like looking back at my life and I'm like, and I was only 17, right? I'm only 19 now, so I've not really lived a long life, okay? But Back then, I was 17 and looking back on my life and it depressed me how much I'd been chasing the smoke. So I can't imagine what it must be like at 30 to do that or at 40 or at 50 or even at 80 and 90 to look back at your life. I can't imagine how that would feel. And if you're chasing smoke, you need to understand that that smoke will disappear. The new will become the old. That new car, give it 10 years, it'll be an old car and you'll need to buy a new one. So we need to chase the unseen. In Hebrews, it says this, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. So why would we chase what we can see when what we can see is disappearing when we can choose to put faith in Jesus, chase what we can't see, the unseen, which is what will one day appear. A lot of unbelievers, I guess, would 
probably count us foolish for that. They would look at us and be like, why are you chasing what you can't see? That's stupid. I actually have a friend that said that to me. He was like, why are you chasing some imaginary guy in the sky? He was like, it's meaningless. It, what, what do you get from that? And I kept my mouth shut. But in my head, I was thinking, you think I'm foolish for chasing what I can't see? I count you as foolish for chasing what you can see because one day what you can see will soon disappear. And when what I can't see will appear, then you will know what I was chasing all along. What I'm about to say won't make no sense, but it still makes sense. It's one of those. But what I want to say is this. The unseen, even though it is not physical, is more physical than anything we can see. That spiritual element to it is more real to me than anything I see in the world. It's more real, real to me than physical things because I know that one day all this will just disappear and Christ will appear and that is all that matters. And as I was, as I was going through this, going through these emotions, God gave me a dream which revealed the answer to this whole sermon. It was probably about a year and a half ago now, maybe a year ago, and um, I was in this dream. Has anyone here watched Endgame by Avengers? So I'll explain it to you. Endgame, it's basically, there's a scene where it's Captain America, right? And he's on his own, and there's like thousands of, of like bad guys, you know, they're coming after him. And when he looks around, everything is just rubble. There's like, everything is destroyed. I should have got a picture so you can really envision it. But just imagine rubble everywhere. This is what was in my dream. There was rubble everywhere and there was a war going on. And I remember in this, I was on my knees like Captain America in this dream, right? God really made me the superhero in this one. <laughs> so I'm on my knees and my head's down. And I had another Christian next to me. And we were hopeless because there was just rubble and there was chaos everywhere. And there was this massive war that we were losing. And as I was like this, just with my head down and hopeless, I remember, I remember a trumpet sound. And I saw I, I, everyone looked up. The sky ripped open. And that doesn't even make sense because the sky isn't a physical thing. It can't rip open, but it did. And these angels all appeared and they came down in this dream and they started singing this song. And I remember it was a song I was listening to at the moment and it was this, it says, To the Lamb upon the throne, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. To the Lord forevermore, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I cry because in that moment, nothing mattered. Yeah, come on. Thank you, Lord. And I spent like years so depressed because nothing mattered. But in that moment, I realized nothing mattered, and that's okay that nothing matters because all that matters is Him.
that moment, even though it was a dream, it was so real. It was more real than anything I've ever experienced. And it, honestly, here's the only thing that ever mattered in that dream because I'm telling you, the war stopped. And everyone, the whole world, looked up and beheld. glory of God and some beheld it some beheld it with fear and trembling because they realized all their life they've been chasing smoke and everything they had chased just disappeared in the twinkling of an eye and everything that they didn't chase and everything that mattered all along they didn't think it was real but it just appeared to them and I remember as some beheld the glory of God with trembling and fear I know that I beheld it and my face shone like the sun. I just remember the awe. It's radiated. And in that moment, everything just made sense. And this deep, dark, philosophical spiral that I had gone down trying to find meaning if you read Ecclesiastes I was living that trying to find meaning and in that moment I realized that everything was meaningless but it's okay that everything's meaningless because all that matters is Christ and I remember as he came down I couldn't see him I just saw this ball of glory that radiated brighter than the sun And as he came down, I approached him with confidence that he knew who I was and I knew who he was. And I didn't need to be afraid of him. But I remember as I approached him, I started to fear, not for me, but for everyone I knew. I remember there's this one guy and he gave me a hard time for being a Christian. And he would always try and argue with me and... I just remember thinking about him. As I approached that throne, I I was thinking about him. He was at the forefront of my mind, and I was thinking, oh no, what's going to happen for him? It wasn't a a revenge or I told you so moment, but I was fearful for him. I didn't feel, you know, pride of like, you were making fun of me for following this all along. Now look who's right, you're wrong. It wasn't that, it was fear for him, and I feared for him. And I remember this one time having a conversation with him and he was telling me, he goes, bro, religion is slavery. He says, you're enslaved to your religion. I said, I'm not, I'm a free man. I'm not enslaved. And I said, if anyone's a slave, I said, it's the people who are enslaved to consumerism, thinking that that's going to satisfy them. People who are enslaved to their phones, enslaved to social media, enslaved to Netflix, enslaved to porn, constantly just going around in circles, chasing smoke, never breaking the cycle, constantly trying to find the next new high, the next new thing that can satisfy them. Trying to find something that matters because the cold hard truth is that nothing matters and that's okay because he is all that matters. From that moment on, every single time that I find myself in God's presence, nothing matters. 
every trial and tribulation I go through is so small. Like I could go to God with the biggest weight on my heart, with the most difficult trial, with the most difficult situation. But as soon as I come into his presence, nothing matters. Eternity puts everything into perspective. That my hardship and my problem and my difficulty is just a mere inch of reality. The past is the past and the present and future will go with it. Everything is just put perfectly into its perspective. That it's so small, it doesn't even matter. Trial and tribulation, success and sorrow, pleasure and pain, none of it matters. It really doesn't, man. Like, Christ is all that matters. And I want to read, I want to read in Romans. Romans 8, 18 to 25, it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing. They're not even worth comparing. It's not even worth dwelling on your current situations, on how they even can compare or even are a fraction of comparison with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. If you're a Christian, we are the children of God. And when he says that we will be revealed, when it talks about the peace of God, shalom, you hear the Jews say shalom. Shalom is what the word peace actually means. And shalom doesn't mean, when we think in this Western world of peace, we think of hippies and like, yeah, chill, you know, having a chill mind. Shalom, it means completeness. That emptiness, Christ completes it. That, the shalom, when we, will be re- when we will be revealed as complete and we will be raised to glory with Christ. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the fruits first of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship redemption of our bodies for in his hope we were saved but in hope that is seen is no hope at all who hopes for what they already have but if we hope for what we do not yet have we will wait for it patiently there's a verse that says that the spirit groans through us when we don't know what to pray the spirit groans through us and I remember this one night this was only a few months ago, actually, probably about six, seven months ago. This was after I had the dream and after I came to the reality that Christ was all that matters. And I remember this one night, it was so weird. It wasn't even me, it was the spirit in me. I was laying in bed and I was like 1 a.m. and I was shattered. But within me, I will never forget this night, something started to groan. And it was a longing to be made finally complete. It was a longing for Christ to return because 
every time I just remember, it doesn't matter. Life doesn't matter. You know, we can, you know, we can make good friends on this earth, and that's great, and we can, we can have good careers, and that's great. I'm not saying that, you know, you should just never do anything with your life because it's not worth it. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying in hindsight, it, none of it matters because Christ is all that matters. And being the Imago Dei, the image of God, that's all that matters. And walking with Christ, that's all that matters. Nothing else matters. And this night, I'm just, I just got on my knees and I was crying so hard. I don't even know why because I knew it wasn't myself, but it was the spirit in me, that deposit that God put within me as his son, as his child. And I just started to eagerly wait for God's return. In this mortal world of sin where there's so much bad and evil and dark stuff, I just eagerly waited for the day where it would all be finished. Christ will return and he will be all that matters and we will be made whole and complete again. If I could end with one thing, I'm trying to get the vape out of my pocket, it's this. Don't chase that. It looks pretty thick right now, but give it a minute, it'll be gone, I promise you. If you're trying to grab onto smoke, if you're trying to satisfy yourself with consumerism, with the next new thing, I promise you this, you will only feel more empty and you'll be left with nothing. So don't chase what you can see, for what you can see will one day disappear, but chase what you can see. Because what you can say one day will appear and when he appears, you will behold the glory. I promise you this, guys. That feeling, I still feel it. I felt like my face shone like the sun. You will behold the glory of God. And everything will make sense. Everything will be complete. You will be made whole and perfect again. Nothing really matters. And there is no true meaning to life. And that's okay, because Christ is all that matters. Amen. God bless you all.